Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. My wife and I, um, we don't go to very many movies, but we went to a movie last night, uh, The Sound of Freedom. And uh, it was an excellent movie. And of course, um, because it is true, the state-run media is bashing it as much as they can, um, ridiculing it, basically saying that it's a white, right-wing conspiracy, um, that these things are not happening. And so I'd like to talk about that this morning. So I think we've got some slides. I got this information off of one of our missionaries' website, Tim Tebow. These are stats. These are stats, okay? And I know our state-run media doesn't like stats. They don't like facts. Most of our state-run media now is based on emotions, emotions and false narratives. But now these are actual literal facts that you can find on the Internet yourself. Almost one out of every 150 people in the world is now being trafficked on any given day. One out of every 150 people. We're over 8 billion people now on the face of this earth. How about the next slide, Jim? The latest global estimates reported in 22 show that human trafficking has increased by nearly 10 million people in the last five years, according to the, and then that's the website that he references, so you can check out the website, get more information. Because we do want to stay with the facts. Uh, Next slide, child sexual exploitation is another horrific evil hidden in the darkness that is affecting millions of minors across the world. Uh, The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, so you can click on that, received nearly 85 million pictures and videos depicting child sexual abuse worldwide in 2021. Now that's a fact, but again, if you've been watching the media at all, Uh, This movie that has come out is being bashed, ridiculed, uh, mocked, uh, insinuations right out front that this is a false narrative. The white uh, right wing is putting out another conspiracy that this is not happening in our society. So you need to look at facts and move away from what the media, right or left, necessarily might tell you and do some of your own research. Women, children, and men are being captured, exploited, and abused on a daily basis in every country around the world. The statistics are overwhelming, but hope is not lost. The Tim Tebow Foundation is committed to advancing this fight for the millions who have been trafficked, exploited, and or who are at risk of becoming victims. And so I just read these statistics because of the recent movie, as I mentioned, that Claudia went and saw last night, Sound of Freedom. I would encourage you to go see it. Um, After Claudia saw it, she said, I shouldn't have saw that. So, you know, you have to evaluate your own life. I mean, there's nothing grotesque per se. Um, There's nothing sexual per se. This is not Hollywood, but you'll see the insinuations in it. Um, But just the, it's a topic that churches don't want to talk about that people don't want to talk about. It's a very uncomfortable topic, but it's been happening for decades. Um, You've probably heard about it when the Super Bowl happens. That's when uh, 
That's when a lot of this takes place. Every single Super Bowl, this has been taking place. Child sex trafficking, wherever the Super Bowl is, whatever city it's in, statistically, factually, this takes place. So, but we don't like the sound of that. That, 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 that disrupts our mental capacity, so to speak. It needs to be disrupted, because this is fact. It is happening. We can't sweep it under the carpet. So the movie addresses this major under-the-radar problem that is plaguing the world. So if you've seen the movie or after hearing these stats, your stats, you're wondering, what can I do? What can I do? I mean, sometimes when you go to something like this, you just walk away going, what can I do? That's a good question. First, ignore the state-run media as it tries to downplay these facts. Because remember, our spiritual enemy desires to destroy any image bearer of God. As we're over 8 billion people, every single person is made in the image of God. Now, that doesn't mean that every single person is a Bible-believing Christian. Not at all. You need to become born again. But this, we want to realize behind the scenes the spiritual forces that want to destroy any image bearer from conception on. And so, yes, the God of this world, little g, is doing everything he can to destroy any image bearer. It's obvious that we're in the last days and that a delusion has come upon most of the world. I mean, when a movie comes out like this, stating facts and showing something, isn't it kind of weird that the state-run media would blast it and not encourage our whole country to get on board and fight against it? That is very bizarre. And that's why we're going to be judged as a country. Read Romans chapter 1, all of it. You see, after the rapture, the strong delusion will take place. And we can see how easy it's going to be to be deceived and that the whole world will be deceived. Secondly, pray about supporting a ministry that is already doing something about the sex slave industry. Pray about it. Because sometimes when you go to a movie or you go to an event, you know, you... You, you feel bad and, and you can feel guilt. And guilt is not of the Lord. Guilt is not of the Word of God. Conviction. We need to pray. Seriously pray. Not just, yeah, yeah, I'll pray about that and then never pray about it. But seriously pray about it. How can I be involved? God, do you want me to be involved? Because obviously we cannot be involved with every single ministry out there. So you want to be mature and go, God, do you want me to be involved? And what does that look like? Third, Support the ministry financially, if that's what God's asking you to do. Again, not through guilt or condemnation, not by manipulating the scriptures, as some people will do. But here's a scripture that you want to remember, as James says, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And that's why we're seeing the church, the big C, because there is only one church, different denominations under one C. That's why we're seeing the church in the state that it's in. Because people are not praying, people are not addressing issues, people are not taking action. We'll say, well, somebody else will take care of that. So we want to be careful of that. And as your pastor, I want to encourage you, don't have that mindset. But also don't have the mindset about guilt and I, got, I, can't, I can't support everybody. That's, that's, that's guilt. That's, I'm not suggesting that at all. Pray, pray, ask the Lord, 
If it's $5, if it's $500, if it's $5,000, that's between you and God, not me, nobody else. But at least pray. And if God says, no, this is not for you, I want you to be over here, then listen to that. But most Christians are afraid to ask because they think that they're going to be sent to the Philippines. You're not going to be sent to the Philippines. I mean, you might. But the odds are you're not going to. God's going to say, you know what? When are you going to talk to your neighbor about Jesus? Oh, I knew he was going to ask me that. I think I'll go to the Philippines. <laughs> we're afraid to ask. If we're really serious, if we're really honest with ourselves, we're afraid to ask because we think that God might just actually ask us to do something. And we're too lazy. We're too comfortable. So ministries that the church support that help rescue kids from slavery... You can take a picture of that if you'd like. These are two ministries that we already support. They already have a plan in placement. They're using funds specifically designated for this. So it's not like we've got to recreate the wheel. It's not like we've got to really go up. But you continue to pray because there might be another ministry out there that you want to support as well. I'm just saying these are two that we support here at the church. And I would encourage you to do those things. Don't listen to the state-run media. Do your own research. Pray. And then just listen to the Holy Spirit. If he says, you know what, this is not for you, there's no guilt. Just praise God. Okay, I'm moving on. That's, that's Christianity. We cannot all do things, right? And again, we're not afraid to address issues here. So if you're visiting, you might be going, wow, this is a crazy church. No, we're just uh, addressing issues. We're not crazy. This is just reality. I'm, I'm a parent. I'm a grandparent. I'm a great-grandpa. Hard to believe. And so, yeah, it's just like, all right, book of Revelation. Book of Revelation. And again, I know most churches don't discuss this stuff, but we're not most churches. This is what the Holy Spirit's asked me to do, so I'm going to do it. I would encourage you to pray about it if you're visiting churches. Give the church a chance. Pray. Um, Most important thing is where are you called? Not where you are comfortable, where you are called. And then get involved. Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. We thank you for all you're doing in our midst. Lord, it's a privilege to be able to serve you. And so, Lord, we thank you and praise you for uh, the two weeks that you allowed us to get away with family and friends, the cooler weather, the billions and billions of trees, uh, time to get away with my bride in the car driving for 1,600 miles. Father, we just thank you and praise you for, through all of those things, bringing us safely back to the flock. You're so good to us. Our worst day, you're still good. And so, Father, we just thank you and praise you for that. And so fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit in these evil days, Father. It's just downright evil. But we're here. We're the light. We're to shine brighter than we ever have before. That those who are trapped, as we're going to see this morning, who are trapped in the evil, just like we used to be, And someone shined into our lives. And we were set free. Father, we want to do that in our own lives as as young adults, as high schoolers, as older saints in our 70s and 80s. Till our last breath, Father, use us in these evil days. And Father, I pray for the gift of teaching that your Holy Spirit will use your word this morning. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, let's go back to verse 9, Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. Got a lot of stuff to cover. 
I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God. Notice this, very important, as you're hearing many people today saying, well, the Bible's not practical, it's not applicable, it's not relevant. Well, if you take a stand for the word of God, you're going to be canceled. They're going to come after you. If you take a bold stance for the word of God, some of your friends are not going to like you. Some of your family members are going to despise you. So here is John. It's very relevant for today because of the word of God. Not because he was just a pastor. Not because he was just a guy sitting around in Ephesus. No, because he was teaching the word of God. And for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Caesar was not Lord. Jesus was Lord. The Republican Party is not going to save you. The Democratic Party is not going to save you. The Communist Party is not going to save you. We've got to get our eyes off of men, get our eyes on Jesus, and then vote accordingly. Amen. Use your wisdom. Register to vote. Use wisdom. Verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. So it wasn't literally a trumpet blast, but it sounded to John as of a trumpet. And when you, if you've been around people that play trumpets, um, I used to play a trumpet when in elementary school. I loved the trumpet, but it's very noisy. My parents didn't like it. It's very noisy. It gets your attention. It's irritating at times. So it's not like it was a trumpet. It was just such a sound, it caused John to do what? To turn, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. So it wasn't, obviously it wasn't a trumpet because words are being brought forth. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. We can know that this is the same person talking to John in verse 8. This person uses the same terms, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. So it's signifying totality. This is very important because people will come and knock on your door and they'll say, Jesus is not God. Jesus and God God the Father and God the Son are not the same. They're not co-equal. So as I go through this, this is why I'm going through this, to help you write down scriptures and to know, yes, they are co-equal. So skip down to verse 17. Uh, So John chapter 1, verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. Again, the first and the last. This is obviously the same individual, but notice that he makes reference to being dead at one time. I am he who lives and was dead in verse 18. I I am he who lives and was dead. I have never found in the scriptures, I've been reading the scriptures for 45 years, try to read from Genesis to Revelation every single year, and you should do that yourself. You should get a daily reading schedule and, and be methodical about it. Get the word of God in your brain so that the Holy Spirit has something to work with down here. Because if the Bible isn't in your brain, he doesn't have a whole lot to work with up here, apart from the Bible, right? Remember what Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So it's very important that we get the word of God in our minds so that the Holy Spirit can transform our lives so that we will be concerned about the issues of our day, whatever those issues might be. This person is obviously Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father. They never died. I never read that in my Bible where they died and they came back to life. 
You're not going to find it in your Bible. So then this is obviously Jesus. Last time that we were together in Revelation, we took note of the fact that God the Father and God the Son are one. So let's look at Revelation 2.8. Turn there very quickly because we got a lot of verses here. Turn there very quickly. You don't, probably don't even have to turn, but 2.8 says, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last who was dead and came back to life. So it's obviously not the Father. It's obviously not the Holy Spirit. So this is obviously Jesus speaking. Very, very important. Look at verse 12, 212. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword, that I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. The two-edged sword. Look at uh, 2.18. And to the angel of the church of Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. Now we're going to cover all these in the future weeks. 3.1, look at Revelation 3.1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Jump ahead to Revelation 21.5-7. through 21.5-7. through 7. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He overcomes, shall inherit all things, and I will be his God. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. My son. My son. And we see that in these verses represent God the Father. That's why they're not in red. We're not going to be Jesus' son. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, you become his brother or his sister. You're adopted into the family. Whose family? God's family. So again, it might be nitpicky, but I encourage you to write these down and study these because when people knock on your doors, this is what they're going after. Jesus made it clear in John 5, 22 through 23, for the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. So when we stand before the judgment seat, either the great white throne or the Bema seat, Bema seat if you're a Christian, great white throne if you're an unbeliever, you're going to be standing before Jesus. That all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. There's a goal to create a one-world religion. It's being propagated to this very day. It is coming together. Most of you probably have no idea about this, but it is coming together very, very quickly. And they are saying we all worship the same God. Are you able to say, no, we don't? And if you say that, are you able to say, why? Well, because the pastor said so. Wrong answer. You want to be able to go to the scriptures. Open your Bible and go to the scriptures and say, this is why we know that we don't worship the same God. Because your Jesus is just a great prophet. He doesn't have, he's not God, because in Islam, God has no sons. Satan subtly slipped that in there. So Jesus can't be the son of God because God has no sons. Mormonism, he's the spirit brother of Lucifer because in eternity past, we were all spirit babies. 
It's nowhere in the scriptures. But the enemy is going to do anything to steal, kill, and destroy God's image bearers. Jehovah Witness, Michael the Archangel reincarnated. All the isms. Well, Jesus was just a really good teacher. He reached one, he was probably one of those few that really reached nirvana. There might even be people that say, you know what? Jesus never existed. We know some people like that. In fact, we know somebody like that that just died this past week suddenly in his mid 40s. There's no question in his mind right now that Jesus existed. There is no question whatsoever. So be careful. That you don't wait till you die to find out, oops, Jesus is real. Because he is real. And you will be held accountable for, to him. You see, they all attack the, attack the divinity of Jesus. But the word of God makes it perfectly clear that Jesus is co-equal with the Father. He is one with the Father. He is the Son of God. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is God the Son. You have to be able to establish that. He is not a spirit brother of Lucifer. Well, that'll offend my family members. Good. Don't love them to hell. Offend them. Get a conversation going in love, in peace, in truth. Get that conversation going. So you don't disagree. That doesn't mean you hate them. You love them enough to say, you know what, I disagree with you. Here's Jesus. Here's what Jesus is. Because let's remember that revelation means unveiling. And in this letter, John is unveiling Once again, the divinity of Jesus. You see, the first time Jesus came as a humble servant. The second time Jesus is coming, he's coming back as a righteous judge. Now, John would eventually be released from his imprisonment at Patmos and head back to the church in Ephesus. And as we look at this list, as you look back in Revelation, verse 11 there, the list of the seven churches, he would have been very familiar with all of these churches that were in existence at that time. John was going to be given specific message for each one of those churches, which we will see are the messages that the church, big C, that the church over the centuries should have evaluated itself by. And if our church, this church, continues to use the messages that are given to these seven churches as filters for our continual growth in the faith, the Holy Spirit will continue to guide, help, and keep us safe and sound from the spiritual enemy of our souls. And that's exactly what we're going to do, verse by verse, no matter how long it takes. Um, I know many of you are new. I taught through the New Testament, started in Matthew 1.1 1, 1 on that first, I think it's March 16, 2003. Started in Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, and 11 years later, I finished Revelation 22.21. We went through the whole New Testament, verse by verse. So if you're new to this, it's going to be comfortable. It's going to be like, well, I'm not getting this. I'm not understanding. You've got to just hang in there. It'll come together. It'll come together. Verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. Notice the voice, not just the blast of a trumpet. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. So John was spending time worshiping the Lord. And he heard a voice that grabbed his attention. And what does John See when he turns towards the voice that was behind? Seven golden lampstands. And what would probably come to the minds of the readers, especially of the Jewish audience, was the lampstand that once stood in the holy place. It's called the menorah. And I think we have an image of that. This is the menorah that is in downtown Jerusalem this very day. It's made of solid gold. 
These are part of the instruments that the Bible Institute, these are Jews that believe the Messiah is still yet to come. Jesus is the Gentile Messiah. He's the white man's Messiah. They're still looking for the Messiah, so they have all the implements. And two years ago, they finally have a certified red heifer, which is the most important thing to have. They will burn the heifer. They will take the ashes of the heifer. And this according to scriptures. You can read it. They will take the ashes of the red heifer, and that's how they purify all the implements. They haven't had that, so that's why they couldn't establish a temple on Temple Mount, which they will do. These are very serious people. They firmly believe there's going to be a temple on the Temple Mount, and I know there's going to be because I read my Bible. They don't read the New Testament, only Old. New Testament tells us there is going to be a temple on the Temple Mount. Plenty of room, been up there 10 times, plenty of room. That stands, I think, 5 feet 3 inches tall. Pure gold. That's according to the Bible. So these people are very, very serious. That's bulletproof glass. High security. <laughs> Nobody's walking off with that baby. <laughs> and gave light to the priests that were ministering daily in the holy place. But John doesn't see just one lampstand. He sees seven of them. And again, let's remember that seven is the number of fullness or completeness. So let's look at the end of verse 20 to see what these lampstands represent. So now look down at verse 20. And the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands. So now here John turns around. He sees seven lampstands, and Jesus is in the midst of the seven lampstands. What are those lampstands? Which you saw, Jesus speaking, are the seven churches. So as you go through Revelation, many people avoid Revelation because they say it's just too hard to figure out. We're going to go through it line by line, verse by verse. We're going to figure a lot of things out. We're going to figure it all out? No. But we're going to figure a lot of things out. So just keep reading your Bible. Things will fall into place. So the lampstands represent the seven churches which were mentioned in verse 11. Let's go back to verse 13. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. Then John sees someone in the midst of these lampstands or in the midst of the churches. We now know it represents the churches. One who looks like the Son of Man. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, there are going to be hundreds, hundreds of allusions to the Old Testament Scriptures. And, yet, and here is yet another one of them. Daniel chapter 7. And I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man. There it is, Son of Man. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. What does that sound like? Who does that sound like? These are messianic verses. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Since we have the canon of scripture, we know that this would be Jesus that Daniel was referring to. He didn't know that. It was also one of our Lord's favorite phrases for himself that you will find referenced over 80 times in the Gospels. The Son of Man, over 80 times. It's his favorite title for himself. The Son of Man. The Jews would have known that that played right back into Daniel. That's why they hated him and wanted to kill him so bad. 
So John has this initial imagery, and he then starts to describe the figure found in the middle of this imagery, and he's going to allude to various Old Testament script pictures. He has clothed a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. I believe that this is an allusion of the attire of the high priest found in Exodus 28. So you might want to go home and study Exodus 28. Hebrews 3.1 says this, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the high priest. He's called high priest. I don't have time to go over all the, the tabernacle. But the high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies one day per year with a blood sacrifice. The veil was rent when Jesus died. And now anyone who would ask Jesus to be their Savior has access to the Holy of Holies. So he is our high priest. And in the tabernacle that was designed by God and given to Moses to build, the high priest would put on special clothing, went into the Holy of Holies. He just didn't walk in in his blue jeans. He put on very special clothing that would only be worn went into the Holy of Holies. He would not wear it anywhere else in town. It never left the tabernacle. It was holy attire. And as you read it, you're going to find out that gold is the main element throughout the Holy of Holies and also the holy place. And I believe that this is an illusion. uh, I'm sorry. So gold in the Bible can symbolize purity, holiness, kingship, eternal value, as well as divine glory. We'll also find that all of the vessels and instruments that were within the veil, the holy place, as well as the holy of holies, again, as I mentioned, were made of gold. Verse 14. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His head and hair were white like wool, which is what Daniel described in chapter 7 of his letter that we just read. In Daniel's vision, he was describing our Heavenly Father, the Ancient of Days. We just read it. Yet here is another reference to what Jesus said while he was on the earth, that if you had seen Jesus, you've seen the Father, because the Heavenly Father and Jesus are one. And that's why the religious elite picked up stones to kill him. So when people again say Jesus never made reference that he was God, or the Bible never makes reference that Jesus is God, You just got to tell them, you know what? You're not reading the Bible. Let me show you some verses. And then you turn to those verses and you show them. You don't honor the Father, the Son, so you don't honor the Father. That's why we cannot do things with you. The Mormons have been coming to me over the the last two decades numerous times. They've finally given up because I took one of the stake leaders to lunch. And I bought him so I could insult it. I bought lunch. He wanted to buy. I said, no, 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 I'm going to insult you. I'm buying. I'm buying. And another pastor went with me, and we just put it right on, on the table. You know, we ate, and we said, okay, here it is. We don't want to hear what you have to say. You're burning them in the bosom. None of that nonsense. Jesus is the Son of God. We believe in that. No, you do not. And then you take them to the Scripture. We had our Bibles. We opened our Bibles. That's all you got to do. Don't argue. Don't bash them. Don't hate them. Just take them to the Word of God. They left in peace, and they marked our church. So it's okay. Praise God. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. His eyes were like the flame of fire, and fire can be used for beneficial as well as destructive purposes. You know, I look at this as Jesus seeing through the facades 
of our lives and really knowing what's going on in our souls. And again, I think this is often why Christians won't pray, won't spend deep time in prayer. Because when you spend, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes in prayer, and not just babbling, not just always talking, but when you stop and ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you, the Holy Spirit will talk to you. And that can be very uncomfortable. It can be very convicting. You might get a rebuke. But it can also be such a blessing. Getting exhorted. Cheering you on. Staying focused. So don't be afraid of prayer. Get into prayer. See what God wants to do in your life and how he wants to use you. Also the eyes. When someone's caught doing something that they shouldn't be doing they typically will not look at you in the eyes. Because the eyes are the windows to the soul. You see, the Lord's eyes see what's happening in a person's soul and gives him the unique, gives him, capital H, gives Jesus the unique ability to have a true and righteous judgment. You see, Jesus is coming back as a judge, the righteous judge, which I made reference to earlier this morning in John 5, 22 and 23. And you might ask, well, how am I going to be judged? Glad you asked. When we read John 12, 44 through 50, so I only have a little bit here, but read all of those verses, 44 through 50, we find that we'll be judged by the unchanging word of God. Well, God, I belong to the Republican Party and I voted for Trump. Who? I don't know if his name's on the rolls. Let me look up his name again. I hope he's saved. I I don't know. That's between God and him. But if you're placing your hope in a man or a woman or in your children or grandchildren or in a mate, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It has to be placed in the unchanging word of God. And that's why we should be reading it on a regular basis to know what the true standard of this life is. If you haven't figured it out yet, the last three years, the standard of life has changed dramatically, hasn't it? Well, this is acceptable. A few weeks later, that's not acceptable. This is now acceptable. And a few weeks later, a month later, well, you know what? That used to be acceptable, but to really make it acceptable, you've got to do it twice. And then a few months later, well, no, you know what? Three would be best, and, and really you shouldn't have any meetings whatsoever. You should not gather with anybody. Isolate yourself. And it's like, and now more and more truth is coming out about all that, right? But it's being stifled because it's being stifled. Because the truth, can't get the truth out there because then people won't trust science. No, we trust science. We just don't trust the ones that are telling us. Because it's called political science. It's not called science. It's called political science. Verse 15, his feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters. His feet like fine brass. Brass is symbolic of judgment. As a bronze altar in the court of the priest was the place where the sacrifices were offered for the sins of the nation of Israel. Jesus is going to walk about, and wherever he walks, no one will be able to oppose his judgment, because again, his judgments will be righteous and true. Revelation 16, 7, which we'll get to in a year or so. And I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Verse 15, his voice, so his feet and now his voice, as John is seeing this and trying to describe it, his voice is the sound of many waters, Ezekiel 43, 1 and 4, you're seeing all the allusions to the Old Testament, 
Afterwards, he brought me to the gate, the gate that faces towards the east. This would be the eastern gate in Jerusalem, which we actually see when we go on our visit. You'll see it when we go to Israel. You'll actually see it. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. Jesus is going to step foot. We literally sat on the Mount of Olives. We don't know if that's the exact spot, but we sat on the Mount of Olives. This is the Mount of Olives. And where Jesus is going to literally step down, we don't know the exact location, but we know it's the Mount of Olives. And it's going to split the Mount of Olives to the north and the south. And there's going to be a clear path to the eastern gate. His voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. Again, obviously a messianic verse. You see, the Lord's voice is now one of total authority, and all those who stand before him will fully know that it is the voice of ultimate authority, no questions asked. Verse 16, he had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth when a sharp two-edged sword with his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. So he had in his hand seven stars, which, one, which once again, we need to look at verse 20. I already read it, but let's look at it again. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And I'll address this more specifically next week. But now we see the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches or the messengers of the seven churches. So again, now we learn again what it is. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. You know, if what John was seeing was all literal, no one would be able to approach this guy. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And it is a discerner, this is for you and I as believers, as we pray, the Holy Spirit will lovingly guide us and direct us. He, He wants to mature us. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And oftentimes, if you're a new believer, when you see the word heart there, it means soul. The Bible's talking about your soul, your makeup, your personality. Verse 17, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me. When was the last time that John saw Jesus? Almost 60 years ago. He hears this voice behind him. He turns. He's, he's trying to share this imagery with us. He falls down as like dead. Now, John was very intimate with the Lord Jesus. Fellowship with him, broke bread, did ministry. But now John realizes this is not the carpenter from Nazareth. This is literally the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is God Almighty, which John knew he was God. But none of us are going to stand up and say, like I've heard people say, you know, well, when I get to heaven, I got a few questions for God. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no, you're not going to ask God anything. No, you're going to fall as dead. But Jesus laid his right hand on him, saying to me, Do not be afraid. Isn't that sweet? Do not be afraid. Guys, that's what he's saying to us in these days we're living in. Evil, sick days. He's putting his hand on you and me via the Holy Spirit and saying, Do not be afraid. It's coming down. Because Jesus is coming down. And if we keep looking up, we're going to be that light that people need to see that are dying because they're putting their trust where it shouldn't be put. 
So guys, young people, the Bible is so relevant. Whatever you're experiencing in your young life, we, everyone in this room, look around, everyone in this room, we were all teenagers at one time. Yes, it was 50 years ago, but I was a teenager. Used to have a bunch of hair. Maybe it'll come back at the, I don't know, in heaven, who cares? But been there, done that. All those emotions, all those things, especially with today. Jesus is saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. His countenance like the sun shining in its strength. You see, it's going to take heavenly eyes to look upon Jesus. Peter, James, and John had a glimpse of his glory when Jesus took them up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He appeared there in his glory, but they still looked upon him. So it wasn't his ultimate glory. And there was Moses and Elijah with him. And it says that his appearance, as you read the Gospels, was brighter than anything that had ever been seen. And now John is seeing the ultimate brightness of his Savior. Do not be afraid. You see, for Jesus, those of us who know Jesus as our personal Savior, we don't have to be afraid to see him. I'm not afraid to see Jesus. I've been waiting 45 years to see Jesus. Don't ever pray for me and bring me back. I got a shirt underneath this shirt that says, no DNR. Do not resuscitate. I've been waiting for 45 years. Don't spoil it for me. Claudia says, don't say that. They might take you serious. I hope they do. For those of you who don't know Jesus as your Savior, you should be afraid. You should be terrified. For you will stand in front of him one day as well. But he will not be welcoming you home. Instead, he will send you to your final destination, that place called hell, that was created for the devil and his companions. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you stiff-arm God. When you stand before him, the books are going to be open, and he's going to bring this day before you, as well as every other time that he tried to reach you. And you say, ah, yeah. And you will say, true and righteous are your judgments. I deserve hell. And you'll you'll be sent away. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Jesus goes on to say that he has the keys of Hades and death. And these are these actual keys that open a door? Probably not. Again, as we're going through this imagery, you want to think bigger. But keys, once again, show what? They represent authority. Every one of your houses most likely have a lock on it, and you have a key. And if I try to bring my key to any one of your houses, it's not going to open. I don't have authority to come into your house. Now, if you go on vacation, you say, hey, Jim, would you come over and feed the pets or do this or do that? And you give me a key. Now you're giving me authority. Once again, the scriptures are showing us Jesus has total authority over every soul that has ever been born. Total authority. John 8 says this, 31 and 32, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, here's the exhortation as the music team comes up, the exhortation for you and me this morning. But these scriptures are so hard. The Old Testament is so hard. Just read it. If your supervisor brings you a book, And he says, you want to keep your job? you got to read this book. You're going to read it, 
or you can go find another job. But if you really love your job, you're going to read it, you're going to study it, you're going to read it at night, you're going to read it in the morning, you can do whatever it takes to find out what's in that book because I want to keep my job. For some reason, we don't have that mentality with the Bible. It's like, oh, it's legalistic. You're being legalistic. Really? You don't want to, you don't want to know God better? You don't want Jesus? You don't want to know the story? None of us are ever going to figure it out, but hopefully we're reading it. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. People can get saved. Discipleship is the next step in your faith. If you're not being discipled or if you're not a disciple, you're saved. You're going to go to heaven. We don't, we don't base anything on works around here. But Jesus said, you need to be a disciple. You need to be a disciple. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. There are those spiritual keys. If you're bound up in something this, this day, pornography, prescription drugs, gossiping, anger, you can be set free. But those are spiritual keys. Get counsel. Get therapy. Get whatever you want to do. But if you don't get into the Word of God, you're not going to be set free. That's in the Bible. Don't blame me. That's in the Bible. So what can we draw from all this? We'll wrap it up with this. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Are you a Christian? Ask yourself this question this week. Seriously ask yourself this question. Are you willing to lose your job? Are you willing to lose a friendship with a neighbor? Are you willing to lose family members? If you're not, then you're not ready for the last days. You have to be so prepared for these last days that you're willing to forsake it all, including your own mate who might turn against you. Paul was married, guys. Paul had children. Do your homework. He was a Pharisee. He lost it all. He, he had everything imaginable in that day and age. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees, studying under Gamaliel. He would have had the best house. He would have had the fastest donkey. He would have had the nicest sandals, probably two or three pairs of them, the best robes. When he was coming down, people would have said, Saul's coming. Whoa, man. Saul's coming. Whoa. Then they take and stone him, literally, not with medicinal marijuana, with stones and kill him. That's Saul. He's a Christian now. Kill him. Are you ready? If you're not ready, you better get ready. My wife and I have discussed it. If I go to prison, I go to prison. Oh, that'll never happen. I know I'm ad-libbing here, but I'm just trying to make a point. Do you know there's a pastor in Canada who stood against the shot and the shutdown? He is now, and he was imprisoned, arrested, I think, three times, once on a major highway, and once as soon as he got off the airplane on the tarmac from America after a three-month speaking tour about how it became communist. He went from a communist country to Canada to live in freedom, and he's realizing, we're becoming communists. I left this. What's going on? He now has an ankle monitor so that he doesn't leave the country. He's going to go to trial, and he might face 10 years in prison for not closing down his church for the pandemic. He's fine with it. 
because he knows Jesus. And his son, I think his son is 21, he's picked up the mantle, and now he's being called to court. They see it. They see the handwriting on the wall, and they're like, you know what? We came here. It was free at one time. It's no free no more. So if it's not free, I'm going to die for Jesus, if that's what it takes. Know your Jesus. The unveiling is taking place. The unveiling is taking place in front of our eyes, guys. Father, we thank you and praise you for the days we're living in. It is so exciting. So grieving, but it's so exciting at the same time. We know your son's coming back. And as believers, we're going to be called up in the rapture before the great tribulation. I mean, we're living a win-win situation here. No matter how bad it gets on this side of heaven, it's a win-win. So, Father, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit in these evil days where there is a delusion, not the strong delusion, but a delusion that has come upon this world that is better to bash a movie that's exposing children and sex trafficking. It's more important to bash that than to promote it and deal with it. That's just one. That's just one sickness that ails this world. So, Father, help us to be mature and realize the days we're living in. This is not a game. We're not playing church. We are praying and interceding for the souls of mankind, for our neighbors, our coworkers, our family members, those who hate us, and those who don't. We're going to pray for them, Lord. We want to take somebody to heaven with us. And, Lord, if it's this week, we pray that we would pray with someone this week to receive Jesus as their Savior. You can do that, Lord. And we ask you to help us be available. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.